The Arizona Wildcats kicked the bucket. We thought that after suffering a crushing loss to Houston last year, that the team that stayed at Arizona would have learned from the loss, especially hearing so many things about them telling Kylan Boswell, basically, don't take it for granted. Savor every minute. Play your best basketball because you never know if you're going to come back here. And they obviously didn't listen to their own advice. And what makes it worse is some people had picked Furman to beat Virginia, but almost nobody picked Arizona to lose to Princeton. And at the time of the loss, it knocked out 93% of perfect brackets remaining in ESPN's tournament challenge. And I know it's ESPN, but you know what? Take it for what it is. I just needed a, a day to marinate in the aftermath of what Arizona did on the court yesterday. Considering what they had done all year, and I didn't want to talk about this game because that's how disgusted I truly am. But Princeton won, and they deserve the credit. The guys at Princeton, they're so smart, and the best game plan that they could come up with was pretty much to deny Arizona the inside pass. And they focused on rebounding, and it's honestly a smart move against this Arizona team. They started off with seven field goals from seven different players, and so they're spreading the ball around. They're playing, you know, the Arizona way. And Princeton decided to not guard Azulus Tubelis beyond 15 feet. And if you remember, when Tubelis took that three-pointer in the Pac-12 championship game before Ramey's game winner, Bill Walton on the broadcast said, no way, when he shot that. And Tubelis made one in this game anyway. But Princeton, they... They just they kept getting on runs. Arizona would would step on them, and Princeton would come right back. And there was no interior defense from Arizona. Princeton they they couldn't be in a better spot throughout the whole game. Every single time they needed an answer, they did, and they were resilient. And they've made in the first half all of their shots, but two from inside the paint, basically at the rim, and that's the one place that. Nobody thought Arizona would get beat. And the defense was truly soft, to say the least. And throughout the second half, Princeton was the better team. There wasn't a real moment where I thought to myself, this is Arizona. This is the team we're used to seeing. I didn't recognize the team I saw in the second half. Of course, you had you know some parts in the game that were pretty stupid, like the fouls that were getting called on Larson were inexplicable. Like he's He's in the middle of playing defense. He's not giving the other team like more contact than necessary. He's just defending his guy with one hand on him. But he was getting called for contact. He wasn't even initiating it. And to make matters worse, Princeton shot 4 of 25 from 3. And they ended up out-rebounding Arizona. Princeton shot 16% from 3. That's what's sad. It really just felt like nobody wanted it for Arizona. You had the guards who went 2 of 14 from 3. And my guy Jake Vegas said it best. Arizona throughout the year. They played up to good teams all year and down to bad teams all year. They scored their lowest points of the season and they waited until their biggest game of the season to do so. I think that's the part about it that just like grinds my gears so much is this showing. They, they waited till their biggest stage the best stage to have their worst showing. And I thought to myself during this game when they were losing, I'm like, 
I guess it's good for our health that we won't have to watch this Arizona team play with our heartstrings anymore because the reality of it is, is Princeton isn't even that good. We all know it, but they get credit for beating Arizona. They defended well against Arizona with position defense, forcing them to shoot the mid-range jumpers that the Cats were frankly uncomfortable with. And you could tell because that's not Arizona's style. And some of the body language out there just showed me that whatever plays they were doing, they didn't want to be doing, but the defense was forcing them to do that. And Princeton out-rebounded Arizona by one. They even blocked six shots to Arizona's one block shot, despite the height and having one of the best front courts in the country. So what happened? Well, this stat by Brian Peterson on Twitter sums it up completely. Arizona was outscored 9-2 to two in the final five minutes against Princeton, marking the ninth time this season that it was outscored by five in the last five minutes. To follow up what he said there, the Wildcats outscored opponents by only 19 points in the final five minutes all season and were outscored by 40 in games decided by single digits and by 29 in losses. 11.5% of Arizona's 468 turnovers this season came in the final five minutes of games. So to go along with that, go back to the first half and look at it. Arizona got outscored by eight to zip in the final four minutes of the first half. And closing out games had been the problem with these guys all year. That's what went wrong almost every single game, just besides purely overlooking their opponent and thinking that they are a lot better. Because if you look at, go back to right after the Maui Invitational, that next game after Utah, Arizona did not show up that game at all. And then this is the aftermath of winning the Pac-12 Tournament Championship. And while I don't think winning the Pac-12 Tournament Championship hurt Arizona, I just think they get too big of a head on their shoulders at times. And, you know, you got Arizona, a two seed, looking at a 15 seed, and they just, they think this is going to be a cakewalk, and it's not at all. And then you've got CBS just absolutely pouring lemon juice and salt in the wound by tweeting out, the only school to ever lose to an 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 seed in the tournament since seeding began is Arizona. The only school to ever lose twice to a 15 seed in the tournament, Arizona. And I'll give it this, at least it wasn't ESPN that tweeted that out. That would have cut deeper. And I want to address something that I saw on Twitter and just forums in general. A lot of people saying Tommy Lloyd should be fired. No, just no. What Tommy Lloyd did this season, despite losing Benedict Matherin, Christian Coloco, and Dalen Terry, is awesome. Many Arizona fans have concluded that given the lack of talent on this roster compared to last year, the job that Tommy did this year coaching was a better job than last season. And I would tend to agree with that. He obviously won coach of the year last year, and he had just so much talent and athleticism on the roster. I mean, look at Benedict Matherin, what he's doing in the NBA. He's tremendous. One of the best rookies out there. Earlier in the season should have been rookie of the year. You know, you lose pieces like that. You lose your defense with Christian Coloco, and then you lose 
an incredible defender and distributor in Dale and Terry. And this team still ended up as a two seed. And if you think Tommy Lloyd should be fired, you shouldn't be an Arizona fan. If you think someone's going to turn around a program in just two seasons, you're kidding yourself. And to top it all off, Tommy Lloyd has the most wins for a coach in their first two seasons of coaching. He broke that record from Bill Guthridge this season. And obviously, I'm not including yesterday's loss when I say that he's done a better coaching job. That's, that's a whole other separate point. That was not his best coaching by any stretch. The late game execution was frankly suspect. And the lack of talent throughout the game, it bled through whatever way you want to spin it. We got beat by a bunch of brainiacs. And I thought in the post-game presser, uh, Tommy did a good job just basically saying everything that needs to be said. He acknowledged that there's going to be some bad with a lot of good. He mentioned that Arizona's poise wasn't as good as it had been, acknowledged that they've let teams back in the game to end the year. And he said all the right things. He said, and I'll promise you, this is a quote, and I'll promise you, I'll get better from this. I have lots of room to get better as a coach. I can't wait to roll up my sleeves and start the process of getting better. And then Tommy added about the players, I don't know, maybe the guys were a little bit nervous or they thought the game would be easier. And that right there tells me exactly what I thought, that they overlooked Princeton. They got caught up in being the two seed and saw they were having a 15 seed that they were playing and they thought it was going to be really easy. A cakewalk is what I want to call it, like I said earlier. And besides, if you really do want Tommy Lloyd fired, who would they even hire to replace him? Who is a good enough candidate to match even remotely what Tommy Lloyd has done this season? There's nobody as good that they would find. I'll tell you that. Tommy Lloyd would be swooped up in a heartbeat by another school too. Let him get his guys on this team. Remember, Tubelis and Kerr are from Sean Miller. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, Let him get the guys he wants. But I will say this. The honeymoon is over. Tommy did a disservice not having Kylan Boswell out there. Kylan was still hustling. There was a moment that he came in and instantly impacted the game with a three right away. Uh, There was a play where Boswell had the ball stolen from him, and then he hustles up court to try and defend, and the guy misses the layup who stole the ball. And Kylan tips the ball out for the rebound on the same play, hustled right back up there. And he needed to be out there at the end of the game. End of story. And besides, there was another point where Kylan Boswell came in, hit a sexy little step back jumper. And he's too good of a player to not be out there when we need him to. And I'll say this, the seven-man rotation was just not it this year, especially not for the tournament when five of your seven players go missing. I'm really bummed that Pella Larson didn't take the leap this year that I had hoped he would because I'll get to the bad and then I'll get to the good. He's someone who will disappear offensively at times. And I'm not sure if it's the game plan or if he's just not having the confidence to let loose, but I thought this would be his breakout season. Because if you go back and you look at actually how he played when he was a freshman at Utah, He would set the offense up sometimes. He was also an aggressive scorer. You'd see him take the ball up court and create a shot for himself and get a good look off the dribble. And right now, we don't see him do that at all. I don't want to completely jump all over him, but his jump shot 
looked a little slower this year too. Now for the good. His basketball IQ is very high. You see him set plays up by making the right cut or finding the right man. Again, like he was almost basically a point guard at Utah. And he also on defense, he'll cut plays off. And it's something you don't really see every player on Arizona do. He's also fantastic in transition. He's got good moves around the rim and can finish the layup with contact. We saw him do that nice little Euro step to get, uh, I think it was his first shot of the game. And we just never really got to see him hit a real stride this season and take a true leap and become the guy, which in my opinion, he is totally capable of being. And if you listen to the last pod, uh, me and Mark Titus talked about how, well, as Titus had mentioned it, he looks like the most talented player on the court in layup lines, but then disappears during the game. And I just genuinely hope he comes back, works harder than ever, becomes, you know, just about an all American candidate because I think that is his ceiling if he breaks out next year. I think he's got all the pieces to be that type of player. He just has to know how to finish the puzzle of becoming the best version of himself. And then the guy I feel bad for is Umar Balo. He played his heart out, but you know what? He couldn't hold on to the ball and he wasn't his dominant self. He was, to be frank, he was getting out-rebounded by a smaller guy throughout the game. And I know he played with a shattered hand, essentially. Uh, And if I told you he was even 80% of the player he's been before the game, we'd be happy with that, given the leap that he has taken this year. And then the one that I just, I have seen so many people just be so hard on, and you know what? I get it. It's frustrating to see, is Kirk Carissa. I know his shoulder is not 100%, and that's it's going to affect his shooting. That's a no-brainer. We know that. He still played with one arm, yet granted, he finished the second half of the uh, game against Stanford where he got hurt, and that's where I feel like he should have rested. I don't feel like he should have played that second half, but I feel like Arizona was just trying to win now, and if he played like this hurt, that's it's not good, obviously. But if he was himself and he was feeling fine, then that is even worse. He is a better player than what we saw yesterday. You have to admit that even if you are a Kirk Risa hater. And people need to just cool it with him a little bit. He, he's a talker. I understand that. But at the same time, he's just a kid in college figuring life out. That being said, he was flat out awful against Princeton. And he needed to be benched for Boswell. And that's one of the adjustments that Tommy Lloyd needed to make during the game. He and Tubelis combined for 10 of our 13 turnovers. They did not take care of the ball. Call it whatever you want. It was sloppy basketball. Tubelis was getting torched on defense almost every single time he got switched onto somebody's man. And I don't know if they think the moment is too bright, but they didn't adjust against Princeton at all. There was simply no play that worked several times. Princeton was ready for the pass inside to Ballo anytime Arizona wanted it or just the pass to Tubelis. And it worked on the pick and roll a few times, but when they'd try and work it inside, Princeton was just sitting back there watching whatever, you know, guy had the ball. And they almost had what felt like Ed Reed defense back there where they'd set up a spy to just double team at the exact moment. 
that's what just about everybody's done to defend Arizona this year. And I don't know if everyone went back and watched that Utah game or if they watched the game in Palo Alto or what to prepare for this game, but it feels like every time Arizona got beat, they got beat in the same way. And personally, I hate to do it, but I blame Tommy Lloyd for not adjusting to Princeton's game plan. I just do. And I think uh, my guy Tate Frazier said it best. They need some nasty. They need some toughness. We love the international flair, but there's a physicality problem on this team. And as for people saying, stop the Eurozona, at times it does appear to have its limits. I get that. The guys may have the desire to play to their best ability, but it just doesn't feel like that passion is there on every possession. And people in Europe, they don't grow up dreaming of winning the tournament or making a final four. You know, they're just, it's different cultures. That's nothing against them. It's different ways of life and how you were brought up. It's simple as that. So please don't make something of this that it isn't. In fact, last week, uh, somebody was asking Kirk Carissa if he was excited to watch where they'd get seated. This was after the Pac-12 championship win against UCLA. And he answered, basically alluding to that. He doesn't get excited with it. uh, Doesn't really get the appeal finding out where you're going. And it's like, that is... That's not the attitude of every other team. They literally have a CBS crew follow each school and record their reactions, just even a little behind the scenes, because it's something exciting. It's something that you've dreamt of since you were a kid, and it's that you've earned based on how hard you played throughout the regular season. And he didn't really care about it, and not saying people need to care about it. Obviously, they don't need to care about it. I'm saying... There was just no excitement nor passion towards the tournament. I mean, us Arizona fans, we know what the tournament means to us. It's your bragging rights on Twitter. It's your team doing what they've done all year, winning and showing it on the biggest stage for the rest of the country to see. And for Arizona to go out like that showed me they lacked heart. There was no magic with this team. Nobody was willing to do whatever it takes to win. Basically, what they had throughout the Pac-12 tournament. They completely overlooked Princeton. They were too cocky, and it bit them in the ass. And Tommy said, you play with fire, you're going to get burned. That's his nice way of saying, you don't play the way you should, you're going to lose. Arizona desperately needed a guy that can just go coast to coast, get to the line at will, Just be a bucket getter. Somebody who could just get one whenever they needed it. So where does Arizona go from here? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Tommy Lloyd needs to get some dogs on this team. Get some dudes that actually want to win. Want to win the whole tournament. That have dreamt about it since they were, you know, a little boy shooting jumpers in the driveway after school. And I expect them to hit the transfer portal hard. I'm talking the coaching staff. No more Ryan Luther's, Ryan Anderson's. Nothing against those guys. I love those guys. I'm just using them as an example of guys that are around for basically only a year. Get players that are some real bucket getters that are going to be around for two, maybe three years that you can build some continuity with. Somebody like an impact transfer like TJ McConnell that genuinely wants to play for the U of A, kisses the floor on his last game, 
loves his coach, wins over the fans. And I know they are a dime a dozen, but give me that guy or try and find two of them to go along with Kylan Boswell. And when KJ Lewis steps in next year, whoever stays just basically rounds out the roster. Arizona needs athleticism and they need scoring. Those are the two main ones. Whether they get that in the transfer portal or you know, maybe through recruiting, we'll find out. We'll also find out and see if maybe somebody does reclassify, comes in a year earlier like Kylan Boswell did, because it's becoming more common these days. And if Kirk Carissa returns, he needs to either be the backup point guard or slide over to the two spot. He's gotten just a lot of hate for how he played. And I think some is deserved, but some not deserved. When you talk the talk all year and you don't back it up on the court when it matters most, you open yourself up to criticism. And everybody has to be better, not just Kerr. I'm talking guys that didn't even play the majority of the year, like Henry Visar or Borovichinen. Uh, Dylan Anderson or Adama Ball if he stays. They all need to just get in the weight room. Work on your game. You know you basically have eight months before next season. Just use that time to improve, get more explosive, get stronger mentally, work in your game. And I also want to talk about how nobody knows how to pronounce anybody's name on this Arizona roster. Like Obviously, not any local reporters or any of the fans. I'm talking like the B crew on TNT called Ramey Ramsey. And I'm talking about the guy running the post-game press conference calling Kylan Boswell, Keelan Boswell, and Tommy Lloyd having to correct him. Bottom line is, as Arizona fans, we have much, much higher expectations for this team. And they completely fell short, especially given what they had done all year. And I want to do some shout outs. So there was quite a few people who picked Arizona to win it all. And I'll name them off. So I want to give a shout out to Jake Marsh from Barstool for picking Arizona. Uh, Shout out to the president, Joe Biden. Uh, Shout out to Jay Billis. Feels weird to say it. And shout out to Tate Frazier. You men picked Arizona to win it all. I applaud your bravery and just have one thing to say. It was 100% the right pick, but it was 100% the wrong time. It's going to happen eventually. And nobody's going to want to pick Arizona next year. I'll tell you that. Even if they have one of the best teams in the country, everybody is still going to call Arizona frauds. And you know what? Until they correct the narrative, I get it. I guess even Steve Kerr uh, tore up his bracket as the team plane landed in Atlanta uh, for the Warriors. And he got to watch the final two minutes of the game and just rip that bracket up. And I don't blame him one bit. If I had a clipboard or a bracket, I would have broken it too if I were him. And then Kevin Parham on Twitter, we all remember Kevin Parham, you know, one of the toughest guys Arizona's ever had, just an absolute favorite in the Miller era. And he tweeted, how you have a great year like that and then lose in the first round question mark. I'm not even going to say who we lost to. Makes my stomach hurt. LOL. We agree with you, Kevin. We agree. It was absolutely disappointing. I hate to just make this podcast a downer, but you know what? We had our fun with Mark Titus talking all things Arizona. So this one just had to be, 
you know, a downer, especially given the way that game ended up. It was just sad to say the least. We all had higher hopes. Even fans that aren't Arizona fans had higher hopes than this. So it's been a really fun season. I'm glad that, you know, Arizona was good. They were a two seed. You know, everybody will tell you that Arizona plays in the worst conference. And yeah, I get that. I wish they'd move to the Big 12. But for Arizona, you exceeded expectations at the beginning of the year ever so slightly. You know, let's be real. Ever so slightly. They did. They had their moments. They won Maui. Uh, they won the Pac-12 tournament. They were 7-0 and in neutral site games. You thought they would fare a lot better especially given the tenacity of this team to get past teams in the tournament and actually finish the games and close them out because that had been Arizona's biggest problem all year was just to close them out. So thank you guys so much for listening. It's been, it's been a fun year. I'm very glad to have covered this Arizona team, but at the same time, I'm breathing a sigh of relief because this team just gave me so much heartache, to say the least. I watched every single game and I could never gauge the way things were going to go. And it just, it sucks to end it in such a frustrating manner. But, you know, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't lose, you know, don't lose the light at the end of the tunnel. It's there. Tommy Lloyd is a good coach, no matter which way you spin it. You know, we all just have our overreactions right when things happen because we love Arizona. We have higher expectations. This is. Arizona basketball. You know, how many times do we hear that at the beginning of the game? So with that, have a great rest of the tournament and we'll see you on the next episode. Bear down.